Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. As I was preparing for today's message on wisdom, I was doing some reading and I came across a very unusual illustration that I think really will speak to all of us. In April of 2006, there was a man who went inside the um, uh, Empire State Building. He made it all the way to the top and when he was about ready to jump, the security forces grabbed him and wrestled him to the ground and the New York Police Department charged him with, uh, of all crimes, the endangerment of other people. But when he went to court, the uh, judge, literally, this is not a joke, threw the, the case out because what he found out is this man who was to do this, his name was Orcabellus, and he had been involved in what they call this extreme jumping. He made over 3,000 jumps in his career, jumping off such, I guess, edifices as the Eiffel Tower, the Golden Gate Bridge, big buildings in Kuala Lumpur, and he had already prepared on the ground below him that when he would jump he would land and nobody would have their lives endangered so the judge threw it out and I got thinking about the risk-taking that this gentleman made in all of his life but then I got thinking about you and me would we ever take a risk like that would any of us want to run up get in an elevator and jump off a building I don't do that kind of stuff in fact I believe the Lord is coming back for us and probably in my lifetime and when he does I hope he throws me blindfolds so that I'll be able to not see on my way up you know I don't like heights but each one of us, probably every single day, we take much riskier jumps. We jump into a decision that will also affect the lives of maybe our mate, our families, the people around us on our job. And I want you to know that God would have us to make sure that if we're going to be jumping into the decision, that we would seek his wisdom before we make that decision. For most of the decisions that we do truly make really will affect other people. And that's why I want to speak on the topic today of wisdom. Many years ago, there was what we call the Prince of Preachers. His name was uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And here's what he had to say about wisdom. He said, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great, a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use wisdom is knowledge. And I couldn't agree with him more. There are a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge, but they don't know how to apply it to their lives, and therefore their lives are crumbling, and yet they happen to be tremendous intellectual people. But if you look further, the wisest man that was identified was named King Solomon, or Solomon. And he wrote a book called the Book of Proverbs underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And when we study the Bible, we know what is known as the first mentioned principle. When something is first mentioned in Scripture, we then use it as a template. Well, we know the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom, but it's important for us to know what the first few verses of that book say. And here's what it says, and I'm going to read them to you. It goes like this. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. And yet I'll tell you that if... Solomon was alive today, as much as he would say Proverbs is God's word, it's not all there is. In fact, you're going to find the Bible from Old Testament to New Testament is loaded with verses that deal with the whole concept of wisdom. It is very difficult for me today, in the 30 minutes or so that I have left to be able to speak to you, to give you all that the Bible says on wisdom. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the mountaintop, the mountain peak, that deep, that core value of wisdom that you and I can take with us to make those right decisions when we jump off into deciding about issues of life that face us every day. Even Solomon said this later on in the same book. He said, the real source of wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I meditated upon that, that one phrase for a number of days. And I came to this conclusion that a lot of people would like to have wisdom because they know that the byproduct of wisdom is often a much more stable life, full of joy, and things go a little bit better when you have wisdom in your life. So sometimes we put in our life perhaps the goal of having wisdom. But yet he would say, no, wisdom is a byproduct of a greater and more important goal. And that would be to fear the Lord. Now, some of you that are earlier on your journey, you're thinking fearing the Lord must mean that I have to be so afraid of God that he's going to squash me like a bug if I step out of bounds. I want you to know that the fearing of the Lord is nothing more than to respect the Lord, to realize that he is our commander. He is our CEO. He is the boss of our life. And whatever he chooses to do is for his glory. And he often has the best way for us to do something. And if we follow him, then we will have that wisdom and the results thereof. And so I hope that this study today might be of great assistance to you because wisdom is found so prevalent in Scripture. Now, out of the verses in Bible, I counted over 214 verses alone that speak to wisdom, but then you open it up in the packages of Scripture, there's a lot to be said in it. And here's some of the things that I've learned about wisdom. One is that there is a great difference between knowledge and wisdom. To know does not often translate into doing. Another is scripture tells us how to receive wisdom. That's important. We may want wisdom, but we don't know how to receive wisdom. And then when we have wisdom, how do we use wisdom? Also, there's a benefit from having wisdom. And that's what I'm going to spend a lot of time on. But there's also the consequences in our lives of not having wisdom. I think if we had a moment just to quietly meditate, maybe on the last 10 years of our life, we will look back and think of the consequences of making choices that were not wise. And today, if we could have a do-over and re reverse our DVD in our mind and, and start over, we would like to do it differently. Well, we can't do that backwards, but I can tell you that if you embrace what I'm see teaching from God's Word today, that we can have a much better future than we've had in the past. And so I love you. And so we're going to grieve it and leave it from the past. We're going to drive our car through the windshield, not looking through the rearview mirror. And so by that, let's embrace these truths so we can have these in our life. And finally, there's something else that this teaching on wisdom will give us. That there is a tremendous difference, tremendous difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. And what we need to do is to not listen to the wisdom of man. Yes, there's knowledge out there. But the wisdom of man is only as good as the wisdom of God. And God has these truths for us today. Now, as I study the book, the Bible... It's very easy to realize that the Old Testament is set into a context of society that's thousands of years ago. And some of you know that already and you think, well, sure, that book was really good back then, but it doesn't relate to the high-tech world in which I live today. The world is a lot different today than it was then. There's a lot different philosophy of living today. And we can just see that through the political speeches that we hear often. And we think the world is a lot different. And then we go to the New Testament and we say, that's still 2,000 years ago. That, that still doesn't reach us today. And I would like to say that, yes, the world is different today, but there are certain things in this world that will never change, no matter what society does, no matter how much electricity we have or how many new products we have to run by electricity. The world will never change. And so here's one of it. And that is that even though the world is different today, the need for wisdom will never change. We absolutely need wisdom to make the right choices. I picked out a couple of those choices. The first one is, is the wisdom that we need in order to manage our money or the lack thereof. 
Now, we are in the middle of a recession, and some people could say that we're dipping into a depression, and some people that are those politicos out there, and they know a lot more than I do, actually believe it's not going to get better, it's going to get far worse in the future, especially as things are happening. Now, I'm not here to give a political message, but I am here that no matter what does happen on the political arena, and what happens in our financial world, it will affect you and me. There are people that are 18 inches away from you listening to my voice today that they could go to work tomorrow and find out that they're being transitioned out. There are those that know that their jobs, their projects are over with and what are they going to do for money? And yet the Bible says a lot about money and money management and it affects every area of our life. You know that. First marriages often will disintegrate because of financial issues and financial stresses on their relationships. And so in a few weeks, we're going to begin a new series after I conclude this. And it's called Families on the Edge. But it will deal primarily with the finances of it. But I'm not going to give you one of those feel-good little messages with a bunch of psychobabble in it. I'm not going to give you a point here and a verse over there. We're going to dig deep into the wisdom of God because we do live in an economic society. And God has a lot to say about that. And we're going to draw from Scripture so that we can have families that are managed financially properly. In fact, I'm going to do a Saturday morning seminar just for the parents here on teaching your children biblically how to handle their money so that these kids can learn earlier than we learned as adults. Because I believe the Bible has a lot to say about that. But not only that, the Bible says regarding wisdom, we need wisdom because of how to have a healthier marriage. Some of you right now are thinking about getting marriage. Wouldn't it be great to know what is it you would have in your life that you need to bring into that marriage to contribute? Or what you're looking for in that mate that will help you to have a harmonious relationship. Some of you are struggling now because you know the principles out there, you have the knowledge, but you're struggling with the wisdom of how do I make it work now? And then you have those that have kids. You talk about the stresses. The world may change, but our kids and all the stresses that they have from temptation of being accepted by their friends and all the rest are there. So working with little kids or working with teenagers, it takes a wise dad and a wise mom to know how to do that. And scripture speaks to that. But not only does it deal with families, it also talks about how to appropriately age gracefully. As I look at our congregation, we are blessed to have little kids in nursery level all the way to kids that are in elementary, high school, junior high. But we also have some gray heads and some no hairs out there, we might say. And I know that we're all going into that season of life and how important it will be for us to know what does the Bible say so that we could finish well. We're developing a seminar that will be taking place later on in November on how to finish well. I know we're not all looking for the uh, undertaker, we are looking for the upper taker, but we want to finish well with our life. Well, the Bible is replete with wisdom on how to do that. And so we might live in a world that's a little bit different today, but the need for wisdom doesn't change. But also the source for wisdom doesn't change either. The world might be different, but there's only one source of wisdom, and it will not be in all the great writings of humanity. And there are some great writers out there. There are some great sages that can talk about how to live our life. But apart from knowing what God has to say, because the source of good wisdom, biblical wisdom, is going to be found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how important it is for us to have wisdom from the source of Christ. So the world may change, but the need for wisdom won't, and the source of wisdom won't change. But also, the world is different today, but how we acquire wisdom is not any different than they did in the days of the Bible. Now, we might have more knowledge because we have more psychology, we have more psychiatry, we have more people that are given themselves to how to make relationships work and all the different facets of life. But wisdom will still not change in the area that God says is so very, very important. And that is, how do we acquire wisdom? In the Bible, it said this, if any of you lacks wisdom, and that would be you and me together, when we have to have wisdom to make decisions, 
When we lack wisdom, it says all we have to do is to ask him for it, but with the caveat of in faith believing that he's a rewarder of our request for wisdom and that he will give us wisdom. And then it says he does give us wisdom. It's a promise and he gives it to us liberally. And so we, all we have to do is to ask. And we need to know how do we ask appropriately? Why do we ask? And what are we going to do with the wisdom once we have that wisdom? Is it from God or man? So how we get that wisdom is never changed. And our great example of wisdom is found in Jesus Christ. And that's not going to change either. He was real in the Bible days. He's real today. And so we can follow the model of Christ as we look for wisdom. Now, I know that some of you right now might be struggling with, I know the word wisdom. I use it a lot. I've heard about wisdom and being wise and the wise old owl and all that. But I don't really know if I could define wisdom. And I struggle with that too because I had to provide for you a definition of wisdom. So I went to various resources to find out what they would be. And I thought about the first dictionary of the English language that was written by Noah Webster about 150 years ago, a little bit longer. And here's what he said wisdom is. Wisdom, and it's real simple. Wisdom is the right use or exercise of knowledge. It just simply means it's the right use or how do I take the knowledge that I have and put it into practice. But then I went into the Old Testament. Now this gets a little bit more complicated and I'm going to ask some of you that like to go a little bit deeper into God's word to lean into what I'm about to tell you. I don't want to wow you with any type of Hebrew word and how to pronounce it. That's not important. But what is important is that that concept of wisdom from the Old Testament is found over 300 times. And here's what it says. It says that wisdom in the Old Testament includes the matter of general interest and basic morality. These concerns relate to prudence in secular affairs, skills in the arts, moral sensitivity, and experience in the ways of the Lord. Bottom line, it simply says this. Wisdom is knowing God and how to take God's truth into daily living. And so then I went into the New Testament and there's only two basic Greek words that we really get wisdom from. And they're pretty popular. We know them today. One even a lady's named after that. It's Sophia. All right. But there's also another Greek word and you have to put them both together. Sophia means insight on the true nature of things. It's close to the word knowledge that you have insight on truth and the nature of that truth. So you have to understand it. You have to know it. You have to discern that truth. But that in itself is not wisdom. That's wisdom on one leg, but wisdom needs another leg. And the other Greek word is this. It's the word that means the ability now to discern modes of action with a view to their results. So when you put those two Greek words together, one deals with the theoretical truth and the other one deals with the, the practical truth of daily living. Now let me see if I can make some sense and come up for air for some of you folks. All right, you're driving down the road. You know that you're in traffic, but it's not bumper to bumper. You also know that you are horribly late for an appointment. Knowledge tells you how to drive a car. How fast to drive your car, how to operate the brakes, how to weave in and out of traffic. Knowledge tells you that you only have a certain amount of time and you've got to be at that appointment. Knowledge also tells you that, you know what, you better drive carefully or you're going to have a problem. We know that. Wisdom goes a step further. Wisdom says that if I'm late for that appointment, I will have to deal with it. Therefore, now, my wisdom says I better slow down because I could have an accident. If I have an accident, I could get hurt, others could get hurt, my family would be affected, other families would be affected, and I would never make my appointment on time if I had that, let alone a speeding ticket. Wisdom also says that I'm now getting agitated because I'm late. And so now inside of me, my health is beginning to break down. So now I could have a physical problem, I can have an emotional problem, and worst of all is this. When I begin to worry and fret and break the law to get to my appointment, because I don't apply good wisdom, then I'm now hindering my intimacy with God, which is ultimately the most important thing in my life. So I have now put a block between the Lord and me. 
And so what's happening, wisdom is knowing something but then applying it to our life. And so I'd like to submit to you a definition you could use when you begin to teach your kids. And it's simply this. Wisdom is applying God's principles to daily living. Simple as that. Applying God's principles to daily living. It assumes that you know God's principles. But now it shows you how to apply them to daily living. So now if I'm going to do that, how is it illustrated in Scripture? Now I need you to lean into this because I'm going to give you something a little bit deeper on wisdom about how and where it resides today. All right. First of all, the source of wisdom is attributed to God. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist. Those of you that have crossed over the line in your journey and you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you then would actually admit then that yes, wisdom is God. God is an all-wise God, an all-knowing God. Wisdom is with God. And I gave you some scripture passage here. Now the King eternal, immortal, invisible to God who alone is wise. Further down, God our Savior who alone is wise. So the source of wisdom is God. Now stay with me on this. I'm going to show you how I can take this from way out there and bring it right home. So wisdom begins, continues, and ends with God. God is all wise. Now, the next source of wisdom is going to be none other than his son, all right, Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus Christ, as he was maturing physically and emotionally, because this verse was found when he was about 12 years old, Jesus increased in wisdom. So wisdom resides with Christ. A little bit later on, it says, what wisdom is this which is given to Jesus? So Jesus had wisdom, the wisdom of God. Jesus and God are one, so if God is all wise, Jesus is all wise. Now there's one more. Wisdom also has a source in God's word or the word of God. And this passage says simply this. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments. Further down it says, this is your wisdom. And then finally it says, this great nation is wise because it's found in God's truth. Now with all that being said, I'd like you to look up here for a moment. I want to speak to those who know Christ as Savior already. Those of you who are born again believers in Christ. The rest of you, I'd like you to listen because I'm going to show you what your brother or sister in Christ has that you would like to have. When they trusted Christ as Savior, here's what they did. They came to the Lord and they said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I cannot get to heaven by myself. And so I'm going to take you. I'm going to receive you as my Savior by placing my faith alone in you. Scripture then said what happened is they were born again. When they were born again, they got a new nature. Their old nature is a sinful nature, but now they've got a new nature. Now that new nature is the nature of God living within them, which means that now inside of them resides the wisdom of God. Let's go a step further. We also know in Scripture that God lives in us as a Christian. Jesus Christ, the concept of Christ, who He is, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So now, if all wisdom is with the deity or the Godhead, and I've accepted Christ, He now, through Christ the Holy Spirit and God, lives within me, First of all, I don't become God. I just have that nature in me of wisdom. So I have the potential because of the new nature to be wise and to make wise decisions. Now stay with me on that point because I want to now clarify that. Recently, I was on the telephone with someone who had a, 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 some, a relative of theirs come to faith in Christ. They were so excited early on that that person became a Christian. The last call I got from this person said... My relative who trusted Christ as Savior, I thought they would act so differently once they've trusted Christ as Savior. I don't know what to do right now. Well, here's the truth. Just because you receive Christ as your Savior and you have a nature of wisdom within you does not mean that you will make right decisions in your thought, talk, and your walk. It does mean, though, that you have the potential for that wisdom because now you have Christ in you. Now, those on the other side here, 
you might make some really great choices. And they could be even translated as wise choices because the choice you made turned out to be a benefit rather than a consequence. So you might be rattling right along and saying, well, I don't need Christ. I don't need to be a Christian. I can still do okay with the wisdom that I have. Well, I'm not going to say that the things that you're doing would be totally wrong and the choices that you're making are all wrong. But I can say this, that God defines wisdom, and I'm quoting scripture now, has a whole litany from James of what that wisdom would be like. But first of all, that, that wisdom that a Christian has is centered around God. This gets really heavy now. So that means the choices that we make as Christians, if it's a wise decision for Christ, the purpose of our choice, listen, 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 I'm choosing to do this, I'm choosing to change my life, I'm choosing to make the right choice to bring all glory unto Him. So the wisdom now that we're making is not man-centered like the world will often make, it'll be Christ-centered. So even you who are Christians who have the potential for making right decisions, if you make it for yourself to benefit, if you make it so your family or your world benefits purely about you, then the wisdom you have is a selfish, prideful wisdom, and that is not wisdom from above. That's nothing more than man's wisdom now put inside of a Christian. So that's why you have the potential to make the right choice, which now I want to give hope to the rest of you. Some of you might say, you know, it seems like my whole life, I, I'm, I'm living a life of consequences because of the wrong choices. So that must mean my whole future is like this. I'll always make the wrong mate choice, children choice, career choice, money choice, all that. And you're fretting the future. I want you to know if you know Christ as your Savior, inside of you is the wisdom of God potentially in Christ. You need to just unleash that in front of you. Now that's not all. You have Christ in you. But if you remember that it also resides in His Word, the Bible. So now here we go back to that other lady that was talking about her relative. She says he was a Christian, but he's not acting any differently. He has the potential to make the right choice, but what he has not done is he has not taken God's wisdom book, the Bible, and embraced it into his own life, making every choice that he makes about the issues of life, running it through the grid of biblical principles. And that breaks down because he didn't make probably an early choice of this. That I'm going to let the word of God be my guide. I'm going to learn the word of God and I'm going to make my choices based upon this. And those who are willing to do that have the potential to make wiser decisions and have greater, better benefits than others. Well, stay with me on this. I do not want to have you be left with the impression that I think that Christians are a bunch of ignoramuses. They're really not. On the other hand... To the degree that you not only say, I believe God's word is all important, it's my rule and practice for life. Having that attitude might be a good first step, but it's certainly not a walk in wisdom. It's just a step. The next step has to be, therefore, since God's word is going to be my principle and practice for life, I need to know it. I need to learn it. I need to embrace it. I need to be able to learn it from cover to cover, from the book of index to the book of maps in the back, if you know what I mean. I need to know this book. Now, to the degree you know it to apply it for the purpose of bringing glory to God, to that degree, you now have more potential for wisdom. You have the power source with God who will unite with his own word, which is inside of you right now to be able to unleash it. So you that are on the outside, I want to tell you, it is so easy. All you have to do is walk through the door of faith alone in Christ. And when you do, you're born again into his forever family. You now have his nature. You now have an ability to understand his book so you can now apply it. Plus, you have a power source to be able to give you the ability to do what you now know to do, which is the Holy Spirit. Do I hear an uh-huh on this? Are you with me on this? But I can't push anybody's want to button. And you can't push mine. That's something that we have to do together. So that's where it all begins. Now I'm going to give you one other little fun thing to do for those of you that like to go a little bit different in your devotions. We talked about wisdom. Most of you know that Proverbs chapter 8 talks about 
the Lord in wisdom. I would like for you to read in your own time today, Proverbs 8. And when you read it, wherever it says wise, I want you to put the name of Jesus Christ in there. And the reason I do that is because this way you're going to see Christ and wisdom go together. And it's a wonderful symphony in that whole chapter of Proverbs chapter 8. It's beautiful if you'll do that. So I encourage you to make that something that's very much a part of your life. So we saw where the source is in God and Jesus Christ and the word of God. So how can I demonstrate real wisdom? Now, I put this in front of you, but I didn't put all the verses up on the screen because there's a lot of verses that are come together. It's not one little verse all alone. But I want you to have these down. And young people, I'd like you right now, if you will, personally, because I love you and I know that you're facing a tremendous world ahead of you. You're going to have far more years than most of us will have. And those years are going to be filled with opportunities for you to make choices. And those choices need to be wise choices. We've already set our goals. Most of us now have chosen our life partner. Most of us have chosen how we're going to invest our money into a house or someplace to live. Most have already invested and are still paying off their college and university to get a degree to be trained to do what their career is. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.